I'm Kate Daniels. Give big. This is a major event and an amazing and important opportunity for our community. We're in a pandemic time. Together, give big. Well, maybe we can think of it as an antidote, a way that we can move proactively through this challenging time. Keeping in mind that every dollar counts. Today, we'll learn a little about two of our local nonprofits, communities and schools in Renton, Tukwila, and University Heights Center promoting lifelong learning. Let's first meet Kathy Ulrich, Development Director for Communities and Schools. Kathy Ulrich, good morning. It is so great to have you with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I am so grateful because I feel that the work that you do in our community for our youth and families is so critically important. And I really am excited to be able to share that with our listeners so that they can know a little more and really see you as an agency to support as we really get further into the season of Give Big. So communities and schools, you're celebrating your 25th anniversary. That is correct. We are uh, Communities and Schools of Renton, Tukwila. We are a local affiliate in the Renton and Tukwila School Districts. And we began 25 years ago with the City of Renton and the Renton School District. And we are part of a larger uh, organization, Communities and Schools, which is a national organization. And they have local affiliates throughout the country, which really allows those affiliates to respond very nimbly and very directly to the unique needs of that particular community. But being part of a national organization like Communities and Schools, it also gives us a lot of resources and a lot of support to allow us to really do the work we do with really high standards and really high expectations. So it's a, it's a benefit in both ways, being part of a large organization, providing support and also providing rigorous expectations. But being um, a local affiliate of that, allowing us to respond directly to the needs of our community. And those needs, Kathy, they're they're quite specific because they're not about the academics, right? Correct, correct. Students in the Renton Tukwila areas, uh, there's a high percentage of students who are low income. Some students who are experiencing homelessness, many students experiencing systemic racism students experiencing domestic violence in the home. And it's hard to learn and it's hard to benefit from school like your peers when you have those non-academic barriers to success. It's difficult to learn when you're scared to go home. It's difficult to learn when you're hungry. It's difficult to learn if your home is a shelter or a car. And so what we do is we work inside the schools with school staff and with the school district to identify those students and to then come up with a plan. And each student has a unique plan that really puts the student at the center of that plan. So our site coordinators work with that student, find out what their unique needs are, and then we leverage community support to get that student what they need so that they can have a greater chance of academic success as their peers. I love the way that that sounds because too often programs might be like, well, it has to be a one-size-fits-all. Well, obviously, with individuals, one-size-fits-all doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. There's so many unique needs and so many unique situations. For instance, 
there's one kindergartner who wasn't coming to school, and that's a bad time to not come to school when you're in kindergarten because you really want to set the tone for the rest of your school career. And it turns out she wasn't going to school because her mom was um, chronically ill and was just afraid to leave her mother, and her dad was working two jobs and was not really able to force her to go to school. And so what communities and schools did was we found out the situation. We found out why she wasn't going to school, and then we got community support to come in and support her mother. And so by providing that community support for her sick mother and then coming up with a plan for that kindergartner to call her mom like five times a day from school to check in on her and then wean her off to three times a day, twice a day to once a day, that kindergartner was suddenly going to school regularly again because she wasn't as worried about her mom. And so us providing, um, us leveraging community support to get some not just health support, but also community support for that mom to provide comfort and reassurance for that kindergartner allowed her to go to school and start her her school career right. And so that was a unique situation, but that's what our site coordinators do is we, I like to say we go broad and we also go deep. We go deep with that student and find out all those unique situations and all those unique challenges. And then we go broad by providing a wide array of different resources and connections for that student and that family. And I see that as such a holistic approach by really taking into account everything that goes on with each individual and when they have those special circumstances dealing with them. Exactly. Teachers all too often have to do so much more than just teach. Um, And so what we do is try to provide a lot of support for those teachers so that they can just get back to teaching how to add those fractions and where to put that semicolon um, so that students can actually focus on school and then we can do that um, that other aspect. Right. Because thinking of a kindergartner, but even someone who's an adolescent or in their teens, Thinking of family challenges, of course, is a distraction, and and they feel they want to help. And, of course, you know, their hands are tied. They they aren't really capable of doing that. So to have someone like communities and schools come in and be able to evaluate, that is such an incredible service. Thank you. It is. And another quick story on the other end of that age spectrum, we have a, a senior in high school who is you know working was working evenings and weekends to help bring in money for the family and was help taking care of younger siblings and wasn't really thinking about the school after graduation even though she actually had excellent grades and a set coordinator at the high school sat her down and said we need to talk about your future and we need to talk about what you want to do going forward and the student really never thought a future was in her was in her grasp she never thought about it, never asked about it, because she was afraid of what the answer would be. Turns out now the student is going to be starting Tulane University in the fall and studying criminal justice, because that's what she wants to do, and she got into that school. And so it was a community and school site coordinator who helped her look beyond tomorrow into next fall and the rest of her adulthood. Isn't that fabulous? You know, yeah. Just two stories which show us how a young person can fall through the cracks and, and be mm-hmm. lost and be really such a challenge, have a challenging life in the future. And here, you're there to help them have a good, solid foundation. Exactly. And I think what we really try to focus on is the student has been given a bad 
deck of cards. Um, the, the student has been put in a unfair life situation. It's not that the student isn't capable or the student isn't, you know, worthy. It's all students are capable. All students are worthy. It's just some have easier circumstances than the other. And our job at communities and schools is to help alleviate those difficult circumstances so that that student can continue to thrive in their natural way. And now with this current situation that we are all involved in living through with this pandemic, how is mm-hmm. that impacting your work? It's been it's been a whirlwind, let me tell you. The long-standing tagline at communities and schools was we are in schools to help kids stay in school. And so now it's a little different. And uh, we talk about being in schools and beyond. And so what our site coordinators are doing is they they have their uh, portfolio of students that they work with and they check in with them every week. And it turns out being a lot more social and emotional support, a lot for the parents as well as the students. And we evaluate what basic needs they have. And we started an emergency fund. We raised over $40,000 in the first month. And we've been um, fielding requests from families and students and have a team of volunteers every week who deliver grocery gift cards, gas cards, groceries, and other basic needs like hygiene supplies and things of that nature. So we're doing non-contact drop-offs on um, porches of families' homes, giving them those basic needs, but also checking in with them every week, not just for the social-emotional support, but also connecting them to the ever-growing and ever-changing COVID resources that are out there now. If a family is needing rent support, we're able to provide that rent support, but also we're able to connect them to local um, government support programs for rent support, if that makes sense. And so we're still doing that community connection. It's just a whole different playing field now. We, we have a, a large uh, family of, of partnering organizations that we always work with that we can connect families to. And now we're having to do a whole lot of research and find out what all of those new and up and coming um, government supports are and other community supports are related to COVID. And we're still connecting those families to those supports. And then we're also checking in on those kids and just saying, you know, yes, this is a stressful time. Yeah, you should sleep in, but you still have some schoolwork from your teachers and you should stay on that. And so it's it's the same model of support. It's just a, a different environment in which to do it. As we've all been needing to become a little more flexible and find new ways of navigating, but it is more challenging for, for, for certain people. And I think those uh, with the challenges, as you described with these young students, to have someone there as an, a, an additional layer, like a safety net, is so critical. Exactly, exactly. And it's been an incredible experience, actually, uh, acting as I am their development director, fielding all of the community support. Um, the the Renton, Tequila, South King County communities have truly risen up. And um, my phone rings off the hook and my email inbox is overflowing with folks wanting to support and folks wanting to connect. And so it's been tremendous and tremendously uplifting to every day um, talk with the community about how this restaurant can provide meals and how this volunteer can deliver food and how this volunteer can deliver um, craft and book activities. And so um, people are stepping up in tremendous ways and it's fantastic.
the community all pulling together just is very exciting. So that is such a great response. You are a nonprofit, so of course Mm -hmm. all of this support is important. And another layer of it uh, is Give Big. The big campaign Mm -hmm. is already ongoing now, and it's uh, kind of in the midst of it. So we are asking people to think about becoming even that much more involved or people who haven't been aware of communities and schools to consider you as a source of of their benevolence, we'll say. Exactly, exactly. Um, as I said, we've raised over $40,000 for our emergency fund, and 100% of those funds have gone back out to families and students. And so none of that money we raise is, is hitting our bottom line, which is what was the intent. However, it is costing us staff time to administer those funds. And so it's actually costing us money to do this, which is exactly the way it should be. That is the intent of communities and schools. However, um, it's our heroic staff that are putting on those masks and going out in the community and delivering those goods. And it is our incredible tireless staff who are constantly on the phone and constantly on their email connecting these families to the supports that are now out there that that is what we are fundraising for um we can't do this with nothing so right give big is incredibly uh, important to our organization right now so we certainly ask people to think give big and to think of communities and schools. And if they would like to know a little bit more, I really appreciate the stories you've shared, Kathy, with us this morning. But how might they find out more? Easily. They can go to our website. If you just Google Communities and Schools of Renton, um, you will come to our website. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. That is terrific. Well, you are really such a great spokesperson for communities and schools. I love the work that you are doing. I am so grateful. I think the community needs to feel that gratitude as well because it is really important for our collective future. Thank you, Kate. It is incredibly inspiring to work with communities and schools every day, and I'm very, very inspired to be there every day and inspired by our community. Well, thank you for your work, Kathy. And thank you, of course, for giving us some of these insights this morning. Of course. Thank you so much, Kate. From this very fundamental educational place, we move outward to University Heights Center, where lifelong learning is at the core of this umbrella nonprofit organization and crossing all income levels and providing particular services to our most vulnerable and securely housed citizens. I introduce you to Maureen Ewing, Executive Director for University Heights Center. Maureen Ewing, good morning. It is so wonderful to have you join us today. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm happy to be here. You and the organizations at University Heights Center do such incredible things for our community. It's very possible that those of us who don't live in the area around the university would be necessarily aware of what's going on. So it's great to have you here to give us a little bit of an insight uh, going through the doors of the center. Tell us some of the things that go on. Okay, thanks for the opportunity, Kate. Well, I think most people in Seattle know the building. Uh, We've been on the corner of 50th and University Way since 1902, 
We're in a beautiful historic landmark building. And um, we are home to 13 resident organizations that are all nonprofit and community groups. And a large part of our mission is to provide affordable space for these groups. So um, we've got um, our largest resident org, which is a school for uh, children on the autism spectrum, K through 12. We've got a Japanese bilingual preschool and other childcare and homeless advocacy groups and after school programming. Um, on a, before the crisis, we were um, home to over 2,000 children um, that would grace our halls every day, um, participating in different programs and schools. And a big part of our mission is also to be a place for all. And so over 500 of those children um, receive over $600,000 in financial assistance to participate. We're also home to a very uh, vibrant arts and culture program and the U Heights Theater Alliance and the U Heights Artist Collective. Um, we've restored a beautiful um, auditorium that's been in the building since the 1920s and have live music and theater and film and community meetings. Um, so in a nutshell, uh, that's, we're a community center for all. And I think another area that most people know about is the farmer's market that is one of the oldest running farmer's markets that is in front of our building um, every Saturday. And that is a, a good reason. All that wonderful fresh produce and the arts and crafts that people create and bring there uh, has, I know, been a large magnet for the community. So that might be a way that really identifies it. And of course, you know, one of the things is that we want to really get a good insight here because Give Big is uh, coming up in uh, in the next week and we want to be sure that these programs continue. We're going through a time where, you know, we're having to adjust, but they're not going away. The need is going to be greater though, isn't it, going forward? That's right, Kate. And and just like most of our neighbors, um, you know, and people throughout the world, we've been forced to dig deeper and reinvent ourselves. Um, when the initial shock set in, we had a, collectively 140 layoffs and project losing a million dollars by the end of this month. And those numbers could get you down pretty easily. But what I've been most inspired by is how we've all worked together to support each other and reinvent programs that are and serving the community now. So, for example, um, we're launching a safe lot program in partnership with Urban League and U Temple to support people who are living in their cars. We know that in King County, there's an estimate between 2,000 and 3,000 people faced with this. And with the um, extreme unemployment we're experiencing now, we know that need is only going to increase. Um, we've shifted all of our programs for from everywhere <laughs> age one to 99 um, to virtual programming. So we have everything from um, record, pre-recorded um, lessons for preschoolers and playwriting programs for teens and um, our Thursdays at 10 program for older adults that includes things like a discussion group and a book club. Um, and so I think, and we providing free meals out of our park um, four times a week. And we've also um, recently opened up the building for childcare for essential workers. So we have families that we're supporting in that way. And we actually have more spots available if, if people need it. 
Isn't that just great how during these really challenging times, we find that, you know, that pressure kind of creates something new and it can be really tough, but it's also quite wonderful. It is. And I think what we've learned is that we're a lot stronger together. And it's not just within our building, but within the greater U District neighborhood. We've really come together to think about all our neighbors. We have um, our neighbors who are living on the streets, um, and we're looking at increasing hygiene services for them. And all of those wonderful small businesses along the Ave and, and, and trying to support them as well. Um, so it has been difficult, but really heartwarming to um, experience the new connections that are being made right now. So a a great advantage, of course, is technology. So during this time, because of all the technology that exists, it helps us to have a connection that we might not otherwise have and to create these programs so people can continue these particular classes like book clubs or doing exercise classes virtually. That's right. And you know, what's been really amazing is that some of our programs, and we even started a, a Bollywood dance class, which I never thought I would doing, be doing. <laughs> so I have this pandemic to thank for that experience. But we have more participation online with some of our programs than we have had in person. And they've always been popular. But I think people are really um, wanting that connection right now and to feel a part of something. And, and we've even had folks all the way from, from New York City that have been participating in our, our Zumba classes and, and different things that we've been offering online. <laughs> you know, there there's just some real delight in that. In, in looking at this, uh, we can find gratitude that, like you said, you never thought you would take part in in that dance class but because of this uh, you explored it and are you having fun oh having such a wonderful time and um speaking of gratitude are the leaders of all the resident orgs meet once a week of course virtually and we end the call with one thing we've done to to take care of ourselves or, or something we're grateful for and i think that that uh, practice of gratitude has been really important and and um, keeping a strong perspective during this time. And no better way to increase your gratitude than participating and, and connecting with people. And if it has to be online, um, then that's what we're going to do until we get through this. Exactly. And of course, the, the, the person-to-person physical connection is great. We can't do that now. But, you know, over time, uh, maybe we'll find that this is going to be a good option periodically because sometimes it's just difficult to commute to things, uh, difficult to get around. So to really have gotten into the experience, I think that there that's another value perhaps we've discovered. Absolutely, Kate. I, I think that we've learned a lot about how we can use technology to connect people from all over the, the country. And I think, for example, we serve older adults with some of our more social programs. And if people have a hard time leaving the house for whatever reason, this is a, a point that they can use to connect that may work with their, their current lifestyle. So I think we're all learning about what bits and pieces we're going to continue um, to implement when this is all over. Right. And it just strikes me, too, along these lines, we're learning that empathy for folks who cannot 
even during regular types of time, uh, are able are not able to get out. This helps us to get that understanding and maybe be able to do other things or connect differently going forward. That's right. Um, I think that um, we're all facing challenges, but we see that um, there are folks out there who have very real challenges that had very real challenges before this crisis that um, were having trouble meeting, um, getting their needs met. Um, that didn't have a safe place to sleep, that maybe they're homebound elders and already had a hard time getting their groceries. So I think we're all getting um, a taste of of what it's like to not have access, immediate access to things. And and it does open up our hearts to want to reach out to those people who um, are going to be struggling even more now and to make sure that we continue to build the infrastructure and create the social safety net to make sure that people aren't slipping through the cracks. And part of what we're doing, um, I mentioned the safe lot for people living in their cars, but we also work with um, youth who are homeless in the neighborhood to provide um, employment. Uh, I think we'll probably continue with our our meals program at the level it's at, because what we know is that these, um, this pandemic is going to have some long-term effects and that we're going to need to keep these programs going. Um, and also, I've been inspired by the response of our local government and nonprofits and um, private sector businesses and coming together to really address this need um, and through rapid response. And it's, it shows what we can really do when we all work together um, and, and put our minds to supporting all in our community. Exactly. Yes, that has been so heartening to see all of that working and going forward and and it's going to need to continue it's not once uh, things kind of begin to ease back into that to our kind of normal place we've there's been a, a great deal of loss in many different ways and as you were saying the people who have had to be laid off those of us who have been able to telecommute and continue our work life in that way financially has uh, has been fine so this is where we have a chance to even push better deeper move more forward as we think about give big and using this as the opportunity to add our financial support to these excellent programs that are going on at University Heights Center. That's right. If you are in a position where um, your income wasn't impacted or you have something to give, um, groups like the University Heights Center rely on the support for our communities, even though we've reinvented ourselves. and, And I think we have a stronger community now because of this. We've suffered tremendous losses with about 140 layoffs three weeks ago. And um, collectively, we project losing about a million dollars by the end of April. And so Give Big is even more critical now um, to help sustain the programs that our community has grown to love and, and has gotten used to. Um, the support also helps us continue the critical COVID-19 response programs that we started around emergency childcare and free meals and, and other avenues that we're looking at. And um, there's so many worthy organizations like the University Heights Center often doing their work quietly, but having a huge impact and meeting um, the great needs that are only going to be greater now. So May 6th, uh, give big the great 
way to feel good about um, your contributions and participating and supporting all the worthy groups that are part of that. Exactly. We can just build on this feeling of community that already has really been taking hold. And Maureen, in your telling us more, giving us these insights as to all the different experiences, and we only touch very lightly on them, but the things that go on and have evolved uh, during this time at University Heights Center are just so incredible. It's so exciting in, in reading your mission statement that what goes on promotes lifelong learning. That too is just uh, so critical. So I appreciate who you are, what you do, and uh, University Heights Center. Thank you so much, Kate. You know, we're here to serve the community for another 118 years. And, and when this is all over, I invite you and um, your listeners to come take a tour or participate in some of our programming. That's a great invitation. So along with supporting your work through Give Big, let's get out there and enjoy some of the programs. Thanks a lot, Kate. And um, our listeners can find out more about what we're doing at uheightcenter.org, uh, and we'll have a direct link to Give Big. Excellent. Let's do it. These two women have given us a very brief look into some critical work being done in our area. As was noted, the need is now greater than ever. Your dollar, dollars, are so important, no amount is too little. We can give now. The website is open, with the big give days being May 5th and 6th. Please visit and donate at givebigwa.org. That's givebigwa.org. Champion a cause.